Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here. And today I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Jeremy Orr. Jeremy has more than 20 years of clinical medical practice, population health, and healthcare IT experience. He served as Early Science Chief Medical Officer before his appointment as CEO. A practicing board-certified family physician, Dr. Orr was named a top 100 physician during his time with Kaiser Permanente. And then he went on to launch a medical practice that became part of Centura Health. While an assistant professor at the University of Colorado, he was selected as Teacher of the Year by the residents. Prior to joining Medial, Jeremy served as the CMO of Boston-based clinical data analytics firm, Humedica, later Optum Analytics, and also as CMO of Los Angeles-based clinical decision support company, Stanson Health. Jeremy earned his medical degree at the University of Buffalo and his MPH at Tulane, and today he's making a huge impact with the work they're doing at Medial Early Sign. And so today we're going to be diving into the outstanding work that they do for payers, providers, and really healthcare at large. And so with that introduction, Dr. Orr, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks all for having me. Excited to have this conversation today. Likewise. And so, you know, I've, I've been waiting quite some time for us to finally connect and here we are. You've done some amazing work in the space. And today, the opportunity to drive change in this era of transformation is big and nobody could do it alone. So before we dive into the value you guys add at Medial Early Sign, tell me a little bit more about what inspires your work in healthcare. Sure. So uh, essentially, it's I wanted to maximize the impact I have. So, you know, we all have a limited time on this planet and we hope to do good and we hope to look back on our lives someday and feel like we made a big difference. And practicing medicine is extremely satisfying. And I think for some people, they really need that one-to-one interaction to feel like they're, you know, having an impact. But for me, it was really a math problem. I could see 25 patients a day in clinical practice for my whole career and have a great impact on lives. And I, and I have the greatest respect for clinical providers. But I'm not one of those who needs to have that immediate feedback from patients. Mm-hmm. And for me, it became a question of where do I allocate time, effort, resource, skill, and have the biggest impact in what we're doing in advancing technology and healthcare. I can affect hundreds of thousands or millions of lives in a smaller, more modest way, but I think overall have a more satisfying impact. So at the end of the day, that's what works for me and that's what motivates me and that's what gets me up in the morning. And I think it's the same is true for everyone at Early Sign. Our stated mission is to have a massive impact on human health, period. And there's, we're working on how to get there every day. I think it's really inspiring. And, you know, there's that shift in physicians, not everybody, but, you know, I've been seeing a lot more of it. You know, physicians like you who said there's an opportunity to do so much more than just the bedside and impact populations and and communities. And so, you know, it's great to hear that that was the catalyst for the great work that you've done and now the work that you guys are doing at Early Sign. So tell us a little bit about Early Sign. What exactly are you guys doing and how are you adding value to the ecosystem? Yeah, it's a great story. So Early Sign is, you can consider us experts in clinical data as it relates to machine learning. So applying machine learning approaches to clinical data. Now, machine learning has become quite, encompasses a lot of human activity these days, and it's quite a heterogeneous group of activities. And so I'll carve out our niche for you so you know where we operate. Um, We're just working in um, healthcare, and the data substrate we use is pretty much structured electronic medical record data, and with particular attention to labs data, medications, existing diagnoses, and things like that. 
So we're a little bit separate from lots of good companies doing good work in imaging. That, that work's a little bit more advanced, and that's partly because that type of data is fully classified, unlike clinical data, which is very, very messy and requires a lot of prep work. So that's the niche we operate. And we've done several interesting things there. Some of our initial work has been on advancing early detection in diseases where early detection and intervention makes a big difference. So we've operated in the space of cancer screening, in chronic disease, progression of chronic disease, understanding complications. And then more recently, we've done work in COVID as well as influenza. So infectious disease is a hot topic for us more recently. But uh, taking it a little bit wider, we're also now engaging with lots of different players in the healthcare ecosystem to figure out other ways to bring machine learning insights into care. So, you know, a lot of our initial stuff in cancer screening, chronic disease was really next generation risk stratification. This particular group of patients is very high risk for having a cancer or a complication of diabetes in the next time period. Take care of them first. But where we're trying to go is trying to actually move into more prescriptive types of analytics. Hmm. And this is a much more challenging problem, but potentially a much more impactful approach where the um, machine, if you will, can survey the sum of all the clinical data for a particular physician or group of physicians and advise not just on who's highest risk, but what's the next best action or intervention to take for individual patients. So this will really lead to the true augmentation of care. And we at Early Sign believe that a physician will always be an intermediary in care, but we want to do everything possible to bring not just the highest risk patients, but the best advice in front of the physician at the right point, place and time and care so they can act on it. So we think someday it's inevitable that clinicians' actions will be augmented by machines like this, and we're just laying the, the framework for that now. Well, I think it's fantastic that you guys are daring to be bold and taking that step. A lot of companies are afraid. They're afraid that they're too early. And I think that it's figuring out that right timing, but at the same time, not being afraid to lay down the framework, like you said. And so that prescriptive step, taking it just, you know, like people talk about monitoring and early warning scores. So what are you going to do with all that? Package it so that you enable a clinician to do more. Maybe you could talk to us a little bit more about that and what exactly you guys are doing different and better than what's available today. Sure, sure. So many of the efforts to get machine learning into care, as I mentioned, they have focused on imaging or applying them to more sorts of esoteric data, patient source data in some cases, genomics, proteomics, and so on. So one thing that's different is we're trying to present the broadest possible use case and really work on readily available, very common elements. So some of our algorithms, for example, just need one blood test, age and gender, to provide a very sophisticated risk profile for, say, a cancer. And behind that effort to act on routine data is a premise that routine data is not being nearly anywhere near fully utilized now. The current approach is actually pretty primitive. If you go to your primary care physician, you get a blood count and a chemistry panel, and your doc calls you. Your doc, and I did this in primary care family medicine my whole career, if everything's in the normal range, I'm very likely to say, there's nothing you have to worry about. If I'm getting more sophisticated, I might look at the last few tests and look at trends. But beyond that, we don't do any more sophisticated analysis. And that's a very common you know, and naturally human approach to interpreting labs. But the machine looks at it completely differently. And the machine is trained on hundreds of thousands or millions of patients and knows that there are 
completely non-intuitive patterns. And sometimes, for example, in a blood count, there might be a relationship between the platelets and the cell size or the hemoglobin concentration that's mathematical. And there might be a subtle change there that precedes an obvious change outside the normal range. So often, we will flag patients as high risk that have completely normal appearing labs to people. And that's really the power of machine learning. It's, you know, it's not magic. It's a pattern recognition over large numbers, but it's stuff that people can't do or don't do. And so that is really unlocking the true and full value of all this data that we have just sitting around. Very routine, inexpensive stuff. A blood count costs about $3 and really squeezing all the value out of it, putting in front of the provider so they can act on it. You know, you're calling out something really important is that we're already taking so much data and not doing what we can with it. We're not maximizing the potential of that data. We're not serving the people as well as we could. And so tell me a little bit about how you've already done this, Dr. Orr, and you know some examples of how you've improved outcomes or made business better for the people you serve. Sure. So we have our algorithms live now at um, five health systems. And again, the use case is um, early detection. And we've worked closely with those health systems to get them into a workflow, whether it be uh, electronic medical workflow, care management workflow, and then also work closely with their clinicians about how to talk to patients when they, when they speak with them uh, about them being high risk as detected by a machine learning algorithm. And then defining the follow-up actions. And in some cases, it's a screening test like a, a colonoscopy for colorectal cancer or a low-dose CT scan for risk of lung cancer or in the case of diabetes an earlier intervention into a, a prevention program or a better control program. And so, you know, you hinted at something earlier that's very important. In our field, there is a lot of concern that we may be too early with this. I don't think we're too early. I just think it's hard to drive adoption mm-hmm. um, and do it well and, and actually get the outcomes, which, which, is, which is all that matters at the end of the day. And there are many sort of more technology-focused companies who provide the technical solution, but then may not go the extra mile to work closely with the clinicians to understand the workflow and the communication with patients to operationalize it effectively. So, you know, one of our early lessons has been that adoption takes a lot of effort to get right. And we've learned a lot along the way implementing at these now five health systems and with our partners. And we've actually gone so far as to work with behavioral scientists. Uh, you know, there's people that work at Nudge and that their, their job is to optimize patient messaging to get better outcomes. And we worked with them on, you know, what is the best way to tell a patient about their risk with these algorithms? And we came up with some language that we think is the right amount of activating. And so it's that kind of work, that kind of detail and, and nuance that's going to lead to better outcomes and it has to be operationalized effectively. So that's, you know, I'm sharing with you some of our progress, but also some of our learnings along the way. And, and we'll continue to put in the effort because we think it's worth it. We, we think it's going to have an impact on lives that's worth that effort. Yeah, that's a really great call. It's that adoption, that operationalization, making these things, you know, putting them into the workflow, writing them in the policies, making them useful. And it sounds like you guys are doing some fascinating work. I mean, employing behavioral scientists to figure this out. I mean, that's a step in the right direction, shows the commitment that you guys have to, hey, we don't just have some technology here. We're trying to figure out how to make this work for everybody. Right. Yeah. It takes a commitment and it takes time and effort and it takes the right partners. You know, we're very fortunate to have 
some partners, two of our development partners in the U.S. are Bessinger and Kaiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in Israel, we work with a health system called Maccabi, a very high-performing HMO. And these guys are, their culture is a fantastic fit for this because they understand care transformation and their docs know that it'll be worth the effort up front. So we're lucky to have partners like that. Now, we have to get this process right because when we take it to the rest of the country and the world, we have to make it as easy as possible. And one of our sayings at Early Sign is try to make AI made easy, bring pre-trained algorithms, bring studies that prove their validation. We're going to need to have that kind of evidence for docs to adopt new technology, bring examples of how you communicate to patients, bring workflow to make it easy. So that's the sort of next phase. We're in the middle of refining that now. No, that's exciting. And so there's so many places to play, right? The domains you guys play in, GI, kidney, lung. I mean, can you give us an example of one of those areas and how you've made a difference already? Yeah, certainly. So the work that's most advanced is in lower GI. Okay. So this is an algorithm that looks at routine labs and age and gender. It's, it's basically the example I used before. And we've operationalized this to scan the data at health systems and flag the highest risk patients. And we work closely with the health system to understand, you know, what's your colorectal cancer screening program look like? What's your colonoscopy capacity look like? You know, are you concerned about missing high risk patients? Are you concerned about patients who are due for screening colonoscopy, for example, who've refused it for a number of reasons? And then we work with them to find the high-risk patients. And and number one, on the non-compliant patients, give them extra ammunition to convince that patient. And it's pretty remarkable, the conversion rates we've seen. Among previously non-compliant patients, they're coming in for scopes now. Among those, we flagged positive at a clip of about 70 to 75%. And that's at a couple different health systems. And if you've worked in public health at all, you know it's pretty remarkable for a patient who said no previously to come over at rates anywhere over 50%. So we're very proud of that work. And then also providing additional, thank you. And then also providing an additional safety net. So, you know, the data is there, as you said, all these labs were already done. We know age and gender on virtually your entire patient population. We can scan the whole population on a periodic basis and make sure we're not missing any of the highest risk patients. So a kind of you know, low cost, no effort, safety nets, very appealing to many organizations. And it also helps them elevate the value of data they already have. Uh, that's really insightful, Jeremy. And, you know, I, I just think about employers too. I mean, how useful this could be to them. It sounds like you guys are mainly working with the providers, but, you know, is there an employer play here in the go-to-market, maybe down the horizon? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the initial work in the provider space was really critical for us to understand how to implement this stuff and how to get it working, mm-hmm. both technically and in clinical workflow, and prove some results. And we've published now 14 papers based on these experiences. So that's important to sort of you know build credibility and momentum. But you're absolutely right. We need to come at this from every possible angle. And we're working with many different aspects of players in the healthcare ecosystem. We're with life sciences companies now. We're working with payers. We would love to start to do more work with employers. That's an area we haven't really gone yet. We're working with diagnostics companies. We're working with commercial labs. And really, I think when we fully mature as a company, what we would like to be is is an insight engine that is really our expertise is in clinical machine learning. And there's many different pathways to get our insights to patient care, but we drive the innovation from the machine learning clinical data standpoint. And then we work with our partners to deliver it in various ways. So interesting and valuable. 
So in the work that you've done, and you, you kind of hinted at this earlier, right? The adoption piece. Anything else that sticks out to you as a setback that you guys have learned so much from? So another piece that's going to be critical for driving this forward is explainability. Mm -hmm. And um, machine learning often gets knocked as being a black box. You know, um, it's how can you know, you know, the the algorithm is so complex, the computer operates in its own way and you can't understand, humans can't completely understand why a patient landed on a high risk lift. Well, we've actually added to our products a feature we call But Why, which uh, goes partway towards explaining it. It's not, in our current understanding, fully uh, possible to explain every bit of, of why, but we go most of the way there and show some of the factors that land a patient on a high-risk list. And that, again, will power adoption because the clinicians, first of all, will have more faith in it because it aligns with their clinical instinct in, in most cases. There's always some cases, but most of the reasons will align with their clinical instinct. And then it also powers a better conversation with the patient. So if you, you know, if a doc calls a patient and says, you're high risk for having um, chronic kidney disease related to your diabetes, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And the patient says, why? It's not a very satisfying answer to say the computer said so. Uh, it's They're going to have to go back to what they're comfortable with, which is saying, well, we see this in your labs and we see this uh, trend in your disease progression. So, so those are the kind of conversations we're trying to empower. That's excellent, Jeremy. And, you know, I'm just really impressed with the thoughtfulness that you and the team have put into just the approach and the soft side, right? Like the, the human side of it. You know, usually you kind of don't see that much. And I want to recognize you guys for that work early on. Thanks for that. We have a saying, it's in a few of our slide decks, you know, the tech is great, but it's about the people. And, nice. um, and we always have to remind ourselves of that. Oh, that's so awesome. And, you know, as I, it's so interesting that you said that the conversations we have here on the podcast, you know, I mean, high level people like yourself and, you know, these amazing folks, it does the best at what they do always say, don't have that shiny penny syndrome, right? Look at your people, focus on your people. And you guys are doing just that. And so what would you say you're most excited about today? Well, I'm excited that we're on the bleeding edge of a new frontier. Mm -hmm. And everyone we talk to in the healthcare ecosystem, all these parties I previously mentioned, they know deep inside five to 10 years, clinical machine learning is going to be incorporated into care in a wide variety of ways. It already is making inroads into image interpretation and many administrative functions. And we're trying to move closer to the common use cases and especially in primary care and screening and infectious disease. We've done quite a bit of work in COVID and influenza too, which is exciting. But it's just the beginning. And all these things we're figuring out, how to talk to patients, explainability, how to implement, how to prove the value over time. We're really laying, we're creating a paradigm for the future for us. And there's other companies doing really good work here. I'm sure we'll make inroads as well. And from this foundation, we can expand into other data substrates. We can expand into other clinical areas. And we can expand, as I said a bit ago, beyond this very comfortable use case of risk stratification. It's something clinicians are already comfortable with. That's why we started there into where it can really make a, a massive impact, which is more prescriptive ad advice. And then, you know, bringing sort of this computer intelligence to augment the clinical judgment of practicing physicians. And, th and that's when care will really advance. And it's also, I think, when docs will start to appreciate, okay, this really makes me a lot better. And I owe it to my patients to, to do this well. 
we think that that is on the near horizon, that, that sentiment, and, and, and everything will change after that. Well, Dr. Orr, you certainly made me excited about this, and I'm sure all the listeners that are tuning into this as well, hey, you guys might be the early sign to what's to come. And I, I definitely think that it's an exciting future for all of us, you know, in leadership seats, but also, you know, eventual patients that will need this care. This has been great. I can't thank you enough. If you can, Dr. Ord, why don't you leave us with a closing thought? And then the best place for the listeners to get in touch with you or somebody on your team to continue the conversation. Yeah, thanks all for having us. I'm a big fan of the podcast and, and it's an honor to be here today. Two quick closing thoughts. You know, the COVID time, we're still in the midst of it, but, you know, during this time, routine care was dramatically diminished. Now, some of that's starting to come back, but I think there's still a lot of suspicion on the part of patients whether it's safe to go to their health system. And we know there's some good published research out there that a lot of cancer screening was delayed. A lot of chronic disease care was delayed, and we will see excess cancer burden and complications from this if it's not taken care of promptly. And um, what we're doing now is we launched a campaign called Back to Care. Mm -hmm. And basically, we have a set of algorithms that the health system could run, and they can understand who to put at the front of the queue and make special outreach to on cancer screening backlog, on backlog for diabetes care, chronic kidney disease care. And even, you know, flu season is really just two months away. I know everyone's obsessed with COVID now, as they should be, but the vaccination season and then influenza will be upon us. And even prioritizing the highest risk patients for complications from flu and COVID, we have some work there too. So I think we can't neglect this population. These will be the silent victims of COVID if we don't pay attention to them very soon. So that's one. Another thought is we're also, as you said in your question, engaging with other parts of the healthcare ecosystem. And we just launched a program called our AI Accelerator. And it's a way for life sciences companies, payers in particular, but also healthcare provider organizations to augment and accelerate their own AI efforts. So if they have a project that could use machine learning on clinical data, we would love to hear from you and see how we can help you do that faster and get results much more quickly. We're all about accelerating time to results and working with partners to do that. And partnership is really critical, as you heard several times here, for us to do that well. So we're going to learn from you and hopefully we can help you too. So we would love to have conversations in that realm as well. Well, that's fantastic, Jeremy. And folks, here's two really great ways that you can engage with Dr. Orr and his team, earlysign.com. You know, how are you going to deal with the massive influx of patients after this, there's a way to do that. And they're thinking about it. And then secondly, if you're thinking about implementing AI machine learning to your processes in your life sciences, your payer, here's another opportunity for you to interact. They're looking to help. And I think they're very clear about their intention. So take Jeremy up on his invitation. And so Jeremy, I know earlysign.com is where they go to learn more. Is there a specific call out for those two programs or can they find those on the website? Sure. I'm happy to have people email me, Jeremy at earlysign.com. We're a small company. We handle a lot of things ourselves and also solutions at earlysign.com is another way. Outstanding. Well, this has been fantastic. Can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing what you guys are seeing and uh, certainly looking forward to staying in touch. Thanks, all. Keep up the good work. Really enjoy the podcast. Thank you.